Hi everybody, thanks so much for joining us today. We're in the third week of a three-week mini-series within the book of 2 Corinthians. We've been focusing on chapters 8 and 9 and on Paul's teaching on money, generosity, giving, stewardship. And I encourage you, if you have a Bible, to pick it up and turn to chapter 9 and verse 6 to 15. This is where Paul really gets to the bottom line. He says, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. As it is written, he distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now before we jump into this passage, I need to, first of all, destroy a misapplication of this passage. If we're going to understand what it means and how we can apply it to our lives, I first have to destroy, I have to kill, I have to murder a misapplication, particularly of the first verse of the passage that I just read. This misapplication has, I have seen over and over again, used for the sake of self-gain to the detriment of God's people. Verse 6 says this, the point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will also reap generously. It's been my misfortune over the past week looking at this passage to cycle through YouTube clip after YouTube clip of televangelists using this verse to suck money out of vulnerable people for the sake of self-gain. I haven't just seen it on YouTube, but I saw it in person back when I was at uh, 
Bible college. As part of my degree and the process of being ordained, I had to go to a couple of other church services which were different to that of my own tradition and kind of write up a report about how they did worship. And so I went on one of these occasions with my friend Guy. We went along to one of the biggest churches in Melbourne. Won't mention any names. Uh, but we went to this church service and we observed, we participated, we uh, gathered together with God's people to worship Jesus together. But there was a point in the service that just let, left me feeling sick and grieved. And it was right before they took up the collection, they invited somebody on stage and they said to us, this man is going to share his testimony, which got me excited because I love hearing people's testimonies. I just love hearing the story of how God saved them. I love people being given the opportunity to give thanks to God, to, to give witness to, to testify to God's grace in their life. And so I was all ready for this guy to share just how God had been gracious in saving him. But that story never came. What we heard instead was the story from this man who said that one week at church he had given a certain amount of money. Some of you know the formula for this story. Given a certain amount of money. And then the next week he had received anonymously a bunch of money 10 times more than he had given. So he gives the money and then somehow, by miracle, he receives 10 times back. And the message was clear. If you sow into our ministry, God will give you more back. And this verse was used to add God's approval to the message that was being shared. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. So if you give us a little bit of money, you'll only get a little back. But if you give us a lot, then you will get a whole lot more back. And part of me died inside when I heard that. Now here's a tip. If you want to start up a ministry like that, where you can suck as much cash out of the people who come along each week to worship God. If you want to run that ministry, then you need to take a few tips from what I saw that day. First of all, you need to isolate one verse, tear it out of its context, and then let it speak as if it's the whole counsel of God. This is a trick that you'll need to use week in and week out, tearing verses out of the Bible, ignoring context. Grab a verse, ignore the chapter, ignore the letter, ignore the Bible and make that verse work for your own self-gain. That's what happened in the auditorium that day. I hope it's clear from my tone that that is not the message of this passage to us at Red Door Church or to anyone. 
That is not what this verse or this passage or this letter or this Bible is saying to us today. So what does it mean to sow what God has given us? What does it mean to invest the money that God has given us? I love the way that Graham Bainan says it. He wrote a very helpful little book that you can buy called Money Counts. It's from the Good Book Company, which is a great book publisher. And here's what he says. Giving is a profound act of trusting. I'm not giving money away. I'm sowing in the ground and trusting there will be a harvest. The harvest may include God ensuring I have enough in the bank so I can continue to be generous. It may be a harvest of righteousness in some other way. But as I give, I trust God will use my gift for his purposes. And so this morning, I want to talk about what those purposes are. I believe in this passage, we get at least four purposes of God in giving us money so that we might sow it, so that we might invest it in his kingdom. Four purposes. And those purposes are these. God gives to you, right? God gives you money. God gives you time. God gives you talent. God gives to you to enable good works. To provide for the needy. To produce thanksgiving and to spark worship. I just want us to work through the passage in front of us and see how those for good purposes of God might be worked out in our own experience. So beginning with number one, to enable good works. Verse seven to eight. Each person should do as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you so that in every way, always having everything you need, you may excel in every good work. Do you see that? Do you see God's purpose in giving to you? It's so that you might have everything you need. Underline that in your Bible. This is where so much of our teaching on money and all of the teaching that I saw that day falls apart. Because this is not about making you rich. This is not about enabling you to excel in every good purchase. Cars and houses and clothes. This is about God providing everything you need so that in every way at all times you might excel in every good work and this is the case at the meta level not just talking about the the, the grace of money but the grace of salvation the grace of life and new life 
right? The reason that God gives graciously is so that you might abound in good works. You see this really clearly, the same pattern that's just been described for us when it comes to financial resources is the same when it comes to your life in Christ itself. So in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 to 10, he says, For you are saved by grace. Right? Another word for that is gift. You are saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. So at the meta level, that's why God has saved you. It's a gift which enables you to do the good works that he's prepared in advance for you to walk in. And the same is true when it comes to the gift of money. God has given you money to enable you to do good works. So the question you should be asking yourselves, if you're watching this right now, then you are almost certainly rich. Right? When we take into account the, the global state of affairs, you are rich. The question is, why? Why has God given you so much? That's a really important question for you to ask yourself right now. Why do I have so much? Why has God made every grace overflow to me? And the answer is, so that you can excel in good works. We had this experience, Renee and I, a couple of years ago, where we were in a position to buy our first set of couches. And we were going to buy really nice couches. That, like the leather was just supple. All right? It was just delicious. And we, you know... We're wrestling with the idea of spending so much money on these couches. We had spent all of our married life up to that point pulling stuff off the road that people were throwing away. I used to have this one-ton ute, and it was great because every week we got new furniture. Just me driving around, seeing something on the side of the road, pulling it off, chucking it in the back, and that's the way we did it. And so when we came to this opportunity for us to take a whole bunch of money and spend it on these couches, we wrestled because we, we had to ask the question... Is this a good use of what God has given us? And the answer we came to was, it is if it enables us to do good works. If we are able to take this stuff, this material stuff, these leather couches, and to worship God with them. You see, money, material possessions, they're not bad things. They can sink us for sure if we put our hope in them. But if they are, by contrast, used by us for the sake of good works, then they are redeemed. Then they are fulfilling the purpose for which they were given. And Paul gives us an example of this. In the next verse, in, in verse 9, he says, As it is written, and then he quotes from Psalm 112, He distributed freely, he gave to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Speaking of this 
person who took what they had and gave it freely for the sake of the poor and in so doing redeemed all of that which he had and made it redound into eternity. That is the righteousness of his good works. The righteousness of his actions in giving freely of what he had, that righteousness endures forever. Friends, listen to this. This is so important. Ferraris rust. Righteousness endures forever. Jesus says, don't lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but rather Heap up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Those treasures of righteousness endure forever. Which leads to the second point. Alright? The second point. God gives to you to provide for the needy. We saw it in the example of the man in Psalm 112. Providing for the needy. This is a very obvious reason that God gives to us. It's so obvious, actually, that Paul kind of just skips over it. He, he is aware that we're aware that this is the whole context of what he's talking about in chapters 8 and 9. The whole context is him encouraging the wealthy Corinthians to take the surplus that they have and give it for the sake of the needy starving, poverty-stricken Christians in Jerusalem. And so it's very evident to us that God gives to provide for the needy. Let's see it just in the first part of verse 12. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints. All right, So it's not only doing that. We're going to see how much more it's doing in just a second. But it's not doing less than that either. This ministry that they're involved in, the giving of their money, is a ministry. It's a ministry that we can participate in. This ministry is supplying the needs of the saints. A couple of years ago when I did a teaching series on money and stewardship and God's gift to us of all that we have, one of the questions that came back to me was a person who was genuinely sort of coming to terms with this for the first time. And they said, I, I understand now that everything I have is a gift of God. Not just my wealth, but myself is a gift from God. And then the next question was, but if, if that's the case, if everything everyone has is a gift from God, then why is there such inequality in the world? Why is giving, God giving so much to some and so little to others? Good question. I think God answers it. I think God answered it in a passage we studied a couple of weeks ago. So in chapter 8 of 2 Corinthians, in verse 14 to 15, Paul says to the Corinthians, At this present time, your surplus is available for their need so that their abundance may in turn meet your need, in order that there may be equality, as it is written, the person who had much did not have too much, 
and the person who had little did not have too little. God's answer to that very good question is, I've given you enough. I've given everyone enough. The problem is you're not sharing what you have with them. One of God's purposes in giving you so much is so that he would supply the the needs of many through you. You get to participate in the provision of resources for those who so desperately need it. I have been so humbled and so encouraged by your response to our appeal to contribute to the Red Door Relief Fund. I don't know if I meant to share this, but in the short couple of weeks since we opened up that fund, over $5,000 has been given to that fund and already needy people have been provided for through it. That's a result of your giving out of the surplus that God has given to you. It's a beautiful thing. It's an expression of God's grace to those in need and it happens through you. Praise God for that. Praise you for your willingness to share out of what he's already given to you. And just a note, if you are yourself in some kind of financial hardship at this point, or if you know someone who is, who could be blessed out of the abundance that God has provided in that fund, then please do let us know. Please do get in touch. But it's more than just that. It's more than just providing for the needy. All right, There's, it, it, It's so much more than that. So our third point, that God gives to you to produce thanksgiving. To produce thanksgiving, verse 10 through to 12. Now the one, this is God, the one who provides seed for the sower and bread for food will also provide and multiply your seed and increase the harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way for all generosity, which produces thanksgiving to God through us. For the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks. To God. Not only providing for the needs of many, but overflowing, overflowing in expressions of thanks to God. God graciously gives to us so we will be generous to others so that people will give, give thanks to the giver, not the conduit, but the giver. That's what this is all about. I saw this so profoundly described to me this past week. 
You know we've been mourning the death of Fred. Such a good friend to many of us and such a vibrant member of our community here at Red Door. This past week on Wednesday we had the funeral. And that afternoon I was standing next to the grave in which we had just buried him. I was just taking some time to chat with Fred's family members, none of whom I knew very well, but one of his family members told me this story and it perfectly describes what Paul is getting at, the purpose of God in giving to us to produce thanksgiving. He said to me that one day Fred was doing it very hard, doing it very hard generally and specifically when it came to his finances. And so he had gone through the day without eating. He didn't have anything to eat. There was no petrol in his car. He couldn't afford to buy any. And so he walked down to the supermarket. And according to Fred, he was wrestling with the idea of stealing a loaf of bread. That's all he wanted, just a loaf of bread to fill up the corners, right? And he went in and out of the supermarket two or three times. He just couldn't bring himself to steal this loaf of bread. And then as he trudged home with an empty stomach, he received a phone call from someone in our congregation. I don't know who it is to this day. But he received a phone call from someone in our congregation who invited him around to share a meal. And according to this family member standing at the graveside, they said, Sometimes I'm not sure if there is a God in heaven. But when I heard that story, there's no doubt in my mind. Why has God given you so much? Why do you have the surplus that you have? The purpose of the surplus is to produce thanksgiving to God. That happens as we give it away. That happens as we receive graciously, generously from God and then redirect that money not into our own pockets but this, for the sake of those around us, the result, what that produces, is thanksgiving to the ultimate giver, God himself. Which leads us to the fourth purpose. And this is the ultimate purpose. This is the ultimate purpose of God giving you not just money, but in God giving you every breath. You exist today for this purpose. God gives to you 
to spark worship. Do you know that's why you exist? Even now as you sit there watching this video, you exist to worship God. Verse 12 through to the end. Let's read it together. For the ministry of this service, this collection of money, this giving, this generosity, the ministry of this service is not only supplying the needs of the saints, but it is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the proof provided by this ministry, they will glorify God for your obedient confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone. And as they pray on your behalf, they will have deep affection for you because of the surpassing grace of God in you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. This is the God-centered giving cycle. This is, this is God's economy. It's a God-centered giving cycle which leads to the worship of God himself. This is not the me-centered giving cycle that I described at the beginning. The me-centered giving cycle is all about me. I take what is mine, rightfully mine, that I earned with my hard-earned, you know, with my, with my uh, blood, sweat and tears. I take what is mine and then I invest it so that I can gain more. So that I can prosper. So that I can be in a position to build bigger barns and fill those barns and keep going the cycle, the cycle, the, the me-centered giving cycle. It's not that. The God-centered giving cycle is this. The indescribable gift of God enables us to be generous in giving such that others will praise God for the indescribable gift of God. And the cycle goes on and on and on into eternity. Heaping up for ourselves treasures in heaven. His righteousness endures forever. This is a non-stop, eternal, God-glorifying, God-centered giving cycle. So why am I so rich? Why do I have so much? Why has God poured his grace on me? It's to enable good works. It's to provide for the needy. It's to produce thanksgiving. And ultimately, over all of it, it's to spark worship. 
Don't you want to be part of that cycle? Don't you want to give not only your money, but your very self into that cycle? Don't you want to make every minute and every cent count for that kind of cycle? If you do, then I encourage you, I exhort you, please fulfill the purpose for which you were created. Fulfill the purpose for which God has made you inexpressibly rich. I believe that God is calling us as a church into an unprecedented season of generosity. And it's all for his glory. For that to happen, we need God's help. And so I'd love to pray for us just as we close. I encourage you, just close the Bible. Close your eyes. You might even like to kneel before God, acknowledging him as the glorious creator and sustainer of all things. Let's pray and ask that he would move in this way in our midst. Father, we praise you for your indescribable gift. Everything we have comes from you. And we acknowledge you, Lord, sovereign God. You have abundantly blessed us in every way, not for our own sake, but for the sake of others, so that you might be worshipped as a living God. Please do such a profound work in our hearts that we would be just like our Lord Jesus. who gave himself, all of himself, utterly to the point of death on the cross so that we, so that we might inherit eternal life. Please continue the work that you've been doing in our congregation for many years. Please increase in us a desire to be a part of this glorious, beautiful, supreme, God-centered giving cycle. And we pray sincerely in Jesus' name. Amen. Love you guys. See you next week.